Hello, Spacers. I'm Christopher Schmidt. Today, we welcome back Simon St. Laurent of O'Reilly Media. He's a senior editor over there as, and also most recently the Fluid Conf co-chair. Simon is with us again to talk about the rise of JavaScript, SVG, and other technologies. We take a look at what we saw this past month in the web space and more, and we think about what's happening on the horizon as we slip into the new year. Some notes, uh, I'll be hosting a virtual conference on January 21st about SVGs. It's a great way uh, to get loaded up with the great topics and speakers, uh, learning it and getting the most out of the true responsive image format, SVG. Check out more at svgsummit.com. Early bird tickets are on sale till about Christmas Eve. And do you JavaScript? Do you know someone who does? There's a call for speakers for the 2016 Virtual JavaScript Summit. Uh, submit your intermediate to advanced talk to about Node, React, uh, workflows, app art, architectures, and much, much more at bit.ly.com, JS Summit 2015. Again, that's uh, bit.ly.com slash JS Summit 2015. If you have trouble with that URL, uh, that link, or want access to the links discussed in the show, check out our show notes and other shows at goodstuff.fm. Thank you for liking and subscribing to us on iTunes through nonbreakingspace.tv. Was JS Uh It was in Amelia Island, Florida. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, how was it? Um, it was great. It was a little well. It was painful because it's been run by a husband and wife team, right? And the wife has something awful with brain medical, oh. medical. Yeah. So it was last call. Yeah. Uh, for the conference, so I the closing toast was to the next JS Comp. I think it'll come back, but it was just kind of. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Sad. So it was a great conference, despite that. Um, yeah, really, okay. just amazing. It's one of those conferences where you go, and mm-hmm. they don't just teach you about JavaScript; they encourage you to go start your own conferences. Yeah. So it kind of self-replicating. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's I guess, that's kind of like um, I guess that sort of explains the the phenomenon in CSS DevConf where we do the wrap up panels. When everyone wants to speak at the next CSS Dev Comp, it's usually mm-hmm. someone asks, like, "How can I be a speaker on the next one?" And so, like, I think, I think it goes well with people just like, "Well, you could speak, or you could be the manager of speakers, if you will, and start your own conference." And do that sort of thing. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think it's a sign that conferences are succeeding when that's what people take home. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I just—it's sort of like book writing. It's—it's it's cool to have written a book it's yes. still work to write a book <coughs> yes yes ouch yes <laughs> i enjoy editing a book because i know it's been written so there you go but, uh, yes that's it cool awesome um yeah so so js comp so you've been just uh is a little, little rundown from from that going down yeah. to florida back okay yeah do you want me uh, to are we in the show yet, or are we? Oh yeah, this is totally the show. It's been the show. Totally the show. Awesome. It's been the show for like two minutes. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> JSConf is JSConf's amazing. I went to the first one way back in two thousand and nine. Oh wow! And okay. it was like the first show that I've really seen focused on JavaScript, mm-hmm. and it really needed one. Yeah. Um, 
I've been to like the Ajax experience. There was a lot of JavaScript in that oh. show, but it wasn't like JavaScript centered. Wow. Ajax experience. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I still have a backpack somewhere. Okay. But cool. JSConf was like a whole other level of language madness and yeah. enthusiasm and just like, let's go do this thing. <laughs> so um, it's a, it's, it's a great show. I mean, the, it was interesting. So on Saturday morning, the, the hashtag trended. Oh. Um, because Microsoft announced there that they're going to open source their JavaScript engine, the right. Chakra piece. Chakra, which is an yeah. interesting name, which is a long line of programmers naming things interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Programmers like finding interesting names that are shiny, and I think that works. But, right. um, yeah, but so you know, that, yeah, yeah that, like, that hit me. Like, I don't know what I was doing the weekend or whatever, but I, yeah, I just hit, it hit my social radar. That uh, you know that they really soon. So what what does that mean for like someone listening who's not into mm-hmm. JavaScript or or whatnot? These corners, yeah, it's interesting. I don't think it means a whole lot in terms of like people using Internet Explorer, the Edge browser, all of those things. It's in there, mm-hmm. and it will probably benefit from more people looking at it and poking at it. Mm-hmm. But I think the main use case it really opens up is that Node has been built on V8 pretty much forever because it was open source. You could redistribute it. You could do all these things. And you didn't, you weren't stuck on Windows either. No. Um, so this, this gives V8 some real competition. Um, you can go back and forth on benchmarks. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of joy in benchmarks. I try to avoid them. Um, the standards compliance levels um, are slightly different. For like ES6, it looks like Chakra is in the lead on V8. Yeah. And the Node community seems to be the space where ES6 is really taking off fast. Okay. So I think there may be people who are just like, yeah, this thing does that feature that I need. Okay, swap out V8, put in this. Does it still mm. work? Okay, good. Um, and people have heard of Microsoft, so I don't think it'll be a problem, you know, getting things started that way. Right. Um, so I think it's probably going to make the biggest difference like on the node side of the world. Okay. I think it'll have some nice side benefits for folks in the browser side, though. Okay. And by side benefits, like what, what, what are you talking about? You probably about? aren't going to notice that much, but it's for the browser. The, the JavaScript will get faster more quickly okay. than it probably would have otherwise. Uh, there'll be more features that come into the language probably more rapidly. Mm-hmm. It's possible for open source to slow things down, but in this case, that seems unlikely. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, also, uh, what was like just I it was I think it was a bell. I would, I mean, my metaphor has been like it's the biggest bell, I think, for front end developers in a while. I guess if you will, or for designers, is that WordPress came out uh, with Calypso, which is yes. kind of like a uh, kind of front end tool for integrating with WordPress installs. If I had that correctly. Uh, but that wasn't the big bell. That was like, oh, that was kind of interesting. That's, you know, kind of cool. It's pretty much like what they would say, hey, if we're going to, as as what they paraphrased it, like I heard it was like, if we're to take what we know now about web development and start WordPress again, what would we do differently? And so they kind of redid the admin tool for that. And so it was mostly JavaScript and, you know, and uh, JavaScript framework frameworks in there. Uh, but what really kind of like set, you know, I think the big bell metaphor like that's heard around the world was um, uh, Matt uh, Mollywag, I think it's a, that name's correct, uh, yeah. you know, founder of WordPress, 
uh, gave his keynote at the WordPress the WordCamp USA or US, uh, and pretty much says like, learn JavaScript, comma deeply. Uh, yes. And, and so he doesn't know JavaScript as well as he should, and he actually says like, this is our, our homework. And so I was just like, well, you have a PHP CMS that's like you know uh, just supporting twenty five percent of websites in the world, and he just told you like you know to learn JavaScript. I think <laughs> shift gears. Yes. Yeah, it's often the twenty five percent of things don't break all at once. That's <laughs> yeah. That move fast and break things, but it only works in certain contexts. Right. Um, I mean, it, it's been crazy watching it because, like, on the other hand, I'm also seeing kind of a PHP renaissance. The PHP 7 work, uh, Facebook's work on Hack and HHVM. Mm. Um, there's a, actually a lot of stuff happening in PHP like I can't remember seeing before. Mm. Um, at the same time, it's obvious that JavaScript has some intrinsic advantages. Um, partly it's that it's just easier to hire for JavaScript, so yeah. you can hire lots of people who sort of know JavaScript. So that deeply part is really important. Yeah. Um, I think it's also easier to convince people who've had experience with JavaScript on the front end to take a look at the back end if it's in JavaScript. Um, it's kind of funny because I talk with people and they're like, it shouldn't really matter that it's the same language. You always choose the best tool for the job and all of these things. And I'm like, um, maybe in <laughs> some strange, perfect programming world where everything is logical. Yes. But the reality <laughs> is, right. if you can shift stuff back and forth, your skills, your code, that's pretty much always going to be a win. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the stuff that I'm watching lately too is that because we have enough people moving back and forth, we're starting to get changes to the architecture. Um, that whole isomorphic universal JavaScript stuff where you could render code, you could render stuff on the client or render it on the server and have the same code doing it both places, able to adapt whenever it wants to. Right. Um, isomorphic is kind of a mouthful. I liked it better when Yahoo called it Mojito. Um, but, you know, I guess I guess we have to be respectable or something. Programmers and their names. That's what yes, exactly. That'll be the recurring theme. Yeah. So, so, yes. I mean, I think the, the WordPress announcement really woke people up. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some questions about how far they're actually going with this and how quickly and that kind of stuff. But as far as, uh, like, yes, wake up. It's time to play with this stuff deeply. Right. Uh, it totally makes sense. Right. And, in fact, it's like um, one of the things I linked to this week, I think, at uh, Environmental Human's Twitter account, it was like uh, was this, uh, someone's uh, uh, Medium page, blog page. I'm not sure. It's a, it's a blog. I don't know. It's a platform. It's Medium, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's Medium. Uh, uh, Vincent O, he has a, a blog post or Medium post. I don't know what you call it. Uh, want to learn uh, JavaScript in 2015 and 2016. And what I liked about it was that it was like, it sort of got the feeling like, hey, I sort of know JavaScript, but I need to go take it to a different, uh, uh, better level. And I wasn't really blocking right. what was what was needed to happen. And so he actually goes through the steps that he took to, to go deeper. So I feel like, you know, for me, he's like, like I know JavaScript, but I don't know, know, know it deeply. So I was just like, well, what, what am I missing out on? And what are these you know, like, you know concepts? And so, uh, and so, one of the, what prominence uh, uh, what features prominently is Kyle uh, uh, Simpson's uh, or yeah. Identify on Twitter is, is you don't know JavaScript series, and so he makes a big uh, push for that. So, and I, I definitely recommend uh, Kyle's work for that because he has great books. 
Yep, yeah, and we just published the last in that series, or it's going to print right now the ES6 and beyond one. So um, there's a complete set now. We have to figure out what a box looks like or something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> actually, we probably aren't going to offer it with a proper box. That's really complicated. Yeah. Um, but back to JavaScript. Yeah. Um, I was just twice today I've had conversations about the difference between people who come to JavaScript from programming mm -hmm. and people who come to JavaScript through the web. Yeah. And those perspectives are often really, really different. Um, programmers are all about algorithms. I must algorithm all the things. Um, most of us who came up through the web, I mean, I'd done some programming before, so it wasn't like it was alien to me, but um, you know, I spent years using JavaScript basically to decorate things. Yeah. And yes, of course, there was some logic, but it wasn't like this giant program. It was it was a thin layer on top of all the hard work that HTML and CSS were carrying. Right. So <coughs> shifting between those two perspectives is tricky. Um, so at JSConf, it was pretty much all folks in that programming perspective. Um which was which has its own benefits. I mean, like they're willing to take like Node and put it in robots and do things that have nothing at all to do with the web. Well, yeah. nothing immediately to do with the web. Right. Um, I'm sure in the end it'll make sense. Um, but people who come from the programming world and suddenly find themselves in a here's how you decorate things with jQuery uh, tend to catch fire and explode. And uh, folks who've come through the design a decoration style and then get hit with, here's some algorithms for you to chew on. Um, I think we don't tend to explode exactly, but it's complicated. Yeah. Um, and I like that, uh, like Vincent talks about picking up uh, JavaScript, the good parts, and um, no, that's not really the right place to start. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of people recommend the book, but it's really not a, a beginner place. It's like, yeah, you know, that's, I must agree. That's like probably one part is like, yeah, you may not want to go there and, yeah, it's a good place to go to after you've been in the field for a while and want to like kind of sort through what you've what you've got and which pieces you should and shouldn't use. Yeah, um, there's a fair amount of that in Kyle's work along the way. It's not as I think intense as the word that Vincent uses for for the good parts. Um, Kyle is more of a you know walking along. And by the way, that piece, yeah, you probably don't want to mess with that. Um, I think it works It works pretty smoothly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because for a language that's been around as long as it has, JavaScript still doesn't have like a coherent single uh, path or community. Um, and I think that's actually a sign of its awesomeness. Mm -hmm. It's a little weird. Um, the way that it came to the world, the way that it hit the web, the way the web, web kind of took over everything really means that it has uh, an audience that's incredibly different from any other programming language I can think of. Um, the only thing I can imagine being similar is if in some alternate universe like HyperCard had triumphed and we were all using HyperScript, but um, programmers would be rolling their eyes and the rest of us would be like, yeah, this is cool. I like using the in my programming. It makes it feel smooth. I feel like I, I came to HyperCard. I know, I know of hypercard like one year too late to know about hypercard because when i was in college there was a guy who just hypercard everything mm -hmm. and he just hypercarded this hypercard that we almost learned hypercard if it wasn't for the web i think right so, right that was yeah. me that guy 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was you? Okay. Yeah. No, probably not. But um, alas, poor HyperCard, I knew it well. Um, but it, it just it came from a different place. And it has all of the things that programmers want to be in there because Brendan ransacked his toolbox when he put it together. Um, and Doug found that like these key things from functional programming just happened to be there all the time. Um, but it serves so many different purposes and so many different kinds of people. Um, I think it's, I think it's always fun to try and put together these paths. Uh, but I, I, one of the things I really want to do over the next year or so is put together a set of these paths that have really specific audiences. This is for you yeah. and uh, see what we can do with JavaScript that way. Right. And so like pass by being like, Hey, you're more a designer. This is what, yeah. this is what JavaScript means to you. Right. Well, yeah. So, I mean, like, think about even even if I when I say designer, like graphic designer and web designer are two different skill sets, and UX designer is yet another. Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I don't know how specific I want to go on that, but I could totally see. You know, you're you've been on the web for two or three years, making things that look great, um, being one set of instructions, and a your UX person who needs to know how these pieces fit together, being totally different from that. Yeah. So, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be interesting to see what you come up with for that. But, uh, yeah, I guess see that. I guess that very, very beneficial for, for different people. Well, but yeah, but I just thing, found, Sorry, go ahead. Well, the other thing that's weird and happening, like, I saw tons of this at JSConf, and it's, it's happening more and more. Um, I saw it at our solid conference, too, is people are using JavaScript in places I never imagined JavaScript would go. Yeah. Um, I got kind of excited when like Tesla came out with JavaScript on like an Arduino-like card you could plug into things. So I'm not sure JavaScript for the Internet of Things was ever on my things I imagined list, and yet here it is. Yeah. And so that would be yet another category of, okay, you want to learn JavaScript. Well, let's teach it to you in a context that actually makes sense for what you're going to be doing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I feel like because you mentioned like, you know, JavaScript has this weird path and history and location, being the web, being exposing so many developers and programmers to everywhere that it's it's everywhere, and there therefore it can you know be it's what people know it's the tools that they know and they apply it to you know everything looks like a hammer or nail and they have the hammer it so to to find a go to like Internet of Things is mostly uh, appropriate and you know the whole joke you know of you know, of uh, um, uh, you know, Skynet was written in JavaScript. I feel like that's just just the way it's gonna go. And uh, I think Skynet yeah. was really written in Erlang. It's too hard to kill. <laughs> too hard. Maybe Node will achieve those kinds of talents. Yeah, but yeah, I just I just find I, I as someone who is not a programmer, I feel like, or someone who's wants to get more in JavaScript, I feel like that makes it even more of uh, a lucrative thing to go go see and and, and learn deeply. Is JavaScript is really realizing like oh if I if I master JavaScript at, at this level you know I can uh, programming wise I'm not really limited going forward is, is that would is that be true you think or I think so I mean when people ask me like I, I want to learn I want a career in programming what language should I start with mm-hmm. um, these days the two things I'm recommending are JavaScript and Python mm-hmm. um, Python has a very different set of expansions all over the universe, but like a lot of data people are using Python. I, it just, it keeps coming up. I will confess I've only written like hello world in Python. 
So it's not my world, but I know it's out there. Um, I don't. I, I could totally see JavaScript taking over even more. Um, I'm a little curious. Like they're talking. I don't know if you followed any of like Asm and WebAssembly and that kind of stuff. But they're making it so that you can write in other languages and compile them to JavaScript, right. and then have them run wherever. So it's possible that JavaScript eventually becomes some kind of weird like language people compile to, mm. and then we can do whatever we want in all of these contexts. But at the same time, it's not so much about the tech, it's about the people. And if we have this large group of people who all know JavaScript, that's probably not going to change overnight. And it right. might even keep growing even after you don't have to use JavaScript. Mm. So I see a pretty rosy future for JavaScript. Um, I think some of these special cases, like the Internet of Things stuff, I could totally imagine someone coming up with a language that was designed to interface with hardware mm. that happened to compile the JavaScript, and then all of these things would still be useful. Yeah. Um, something that was simpler and friendlier, all these nice things that, yes, um, we don't talk about very much anymore. Uh, but I think, yeah, JavaScript is pretty much the the place I would recommend these days. Okay. So no PHP? No, PHP is awesome. It's just yeah. a different... If if you want... I guess it depends on what kind of career you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I've always liked the approach of PHP. I still, like after years in Rails, I'm still kind of relieved to look at PHP where the code is in pages hmm. um, instead of going through this crazy router thing. Right. Um, I understand the appeal of the crazy router thing too. I can do that if I have to. It just isn't less. It's just, I don't know. I feel like I'm always looking for where the parts are. Um, PHP has its ups and downs. I really marvel that Facebook has taken PHP so far. Oh, That's wow. another yeah. thing I never would have imagined really could scale like that, but they've done it. Um, so, yeah, I, there's there's nothing wrong with the other languages. I mean, obviously, I want to tell everyone to go learn Erlang and Elixir. Um, the problem is if you've learned either of those languages, you can't look at any other language and be happy. It's just nobody <laughs> else has done this like lightweight message processing thing the right way. Oh, so, um yeah, it's kind of fun. Elixir seems to be taking over like some corners where Rails used to live. Um, we'll see how that all plays out over time. But yeah, yeah, JavaScript stays center. Okay, sounds good. Sounds smart. Anything else? That any other hot drama or um, news you're looking to get over? In the JavaScript space, I don't think so. Yeah, I, it's it's exciting. It's moving. I feel like we all need to take a long break at the holidays and. Just kind of think through. Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, one thing I think that was uh, for me this past couple of weeks or so has been uh, Flexbox. Yeah, just people just kind of embracing Flexbox, and the uh, the link that really made the rounds this week was uh, uh, Flexbox Froggy or something. I'm not sure if you saw it or not, but uh, but it's this, like uh, kind of like cool coding school type of thing where like the 24 lessons on how to learn Flexbox by moving frogs around lily pads. That sounds and perfect. It's, uh, it was, it was, uh, I didn't mean to get sucked in into doing it, but dang it, if those little multicolored uh, frogs and I think just didn't keep me uh, attached to it uh, and try to like go through each different steps and, and learn the syntax for, uh, for Flexbox. And so I thought that was pretty good. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm really excited for Flexbox after, after doing that, I was excited beforehand, but now I was just like, okay, 
Uh, just because it's here, it's coming. It's here. It's coming. It's here, but there's also like kind of bugs there. They're, they're still there, but uh, but yeah, I just it's so much. It's so freeing just to be able to center things and not have it uh, not have it to be like this weird uh, Byzantine structure of CSS rules to make things centered, you know, horizontally and and vertically. And, and don't forget to clear your floats. Oh yeah, floats. Oh, God. Yes, I know. Ugh, man, I was so excited when that Holy Grail layout appeared. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm a lot calmer about it now. Yeah, Holy Grail. How how old was that? Oh, it must have been like 2004 or five. Yeah, that's like ten years at least. Yeah. Oh, geez. So. It's kind of miraculous that I just to be able to plug that code into my systems and say, "Oh, okay, now I've got the structure I was fighting for for the last however." Yeah, it's uh, the so it was it was uh, what was the name again again? It's like uh, Holy Grail. It's like just multi-column layout, right? And just wind. yeah. That's what I do. Okay. Multi-column layout that worked reliably. That's yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember like everyone was trying to do multi-column layouts after that and five, six columns and trying to get, get that squared away with yeah, I never the website the, built to it. Yeah. Yeah. I never understood the appeal of making a, like a five or six column website that looked like the front page of the New York times. That just seemed mm-hmm. difficult. A little, and, uh, and of course, look at us. We're not, uh, we missed the Pinterest uh, van wagon or like multi-column that's true pinterest has kind of made it work i just there were some there were some experiments that were done with a lot of text content and they looked like very weird newspapers yeah uh, but uh you know like job ads that look terrible on the web page i guess yeah yeah uh yeah so um yeah so, so that's that was pretty interesting i like that a lot and then um uh svg is uh SVG. I, I yeah what just about keeps it? growing Go ahead. Yeah. Well, we actually at Runners for Humans actually we, our first event for next year is the SVG Summit, mm-hmm. and so we have, I think we got about like eight or nine speakers for that for one day. So it's gonna be kind of a crazy day. So um, yeah, just after I'm not sure when the last time we talked, but uh, yeah, I think uh, the CSS Dev Conference is um, about four speakers on uh, talking about SVG, and I was just like. I mean, like as as a co-chair, you know, I was just like, I knew they were coming to speak about SVG, but uh, what really, you know, got me was well, it was not only the content, the presentations, which were great, but just how well received they were by everyone at the CSS DevConf. So, um, and I learned about GreenSock, which is a JavaScript mm-hmm. framework for animating, which I didn't know existed until I walked into <laughs> to, to this conference. So, and and I was just like, oh, okay, that's how we're gonna solve this animation process problem. I knew them. about it, but I knew it because a speaker at CSS DevConf had put in a proposal to Fluent, so I'd seen yeah. it that way. Yeah. Same person will be speaking on it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm just looking through your SVG Summit stuff, too, and, I mean, this looks, this looks great. Yeah. I've had some weird conversations with people who are like, SVG, isn't that for programmers? And I'm like, yeah. oh, it has an acronym, but it's not Canvas. Is that what you're thinking of? No? Yeah. Um, and like I noticed a bunch of things last week, people got excited about Adobe Illustrator cleaning up its SVG import and export. Right. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is like, yeah, they actually came out and updated it. Yeah, so the import and exporting uh, is a lot cleaner of the code, and so I feel like they're kind of doubling down on that. So I think that was, I think it's a good sign going forward. I mean, because I think it's just, you know, we, we've done responsive web images. I've talked about it. Uh, you know, like we've, we've got this, uh, we have the picture element, HTML5, we have the source sets, you know, we, we got all these attributes for the, 
image tag, but they're still like you're still dealing with JPEGs, you're still dealing with GIFs, you know, and they're not responsive by nature, you know, natively as an image format. But you have SVGs, which are, and so the you can scale them without loss of integrity and all that stuff. But there's so much more you can do with it. You actually like you know, yeah, you can hand code it, and it's this complex thing. I feel like we're on this. Uh, I feel like it's kind of like as a web designer, it's kind of like this another final frontier in web and like, like, Oh, what can we do with SVG? I feel like it's a very exciting space to be well, as, the, as a web designer. So the thing I'm having fun watching is that there are sort of small and simple things you can do with SVG that get mm-hmm. things started really easily. There are deranged things you can do. There was somebody at South by Southwest who was using it to design like algorithmic stained glass window things. Oh, nice. He was making like these giant like wall size posters I got to find out who that was. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Please let me know. Yeah. I think they were like things you would put on the glass of like a storefront window and like the light would come through them and it was just crazy. Um, And then there are like, well, there are, there are uses like Estelle while used uh, the SVG clown car for responsive images. That's my favorite for a project ever. Again, speaking of names, (laughs) Uh, actually was just kind of using SVG to hide things from the browser while still making them work. It was pretty cool. Yeah, the clown car technique was was uh, um, because SVG allows you to use uh, CSS rules using the background image. Uh, you can actually pull it in, and the uh, like holy grail, if you will, of responsive images techniques that we're trying to fight against was that uh, um, to limit the double HTTP requests. So no matter what you know solution you were working at the time, there would actually be at least two calls for two images. One like a mobile friendly version, and then a, a bigger image. And so, what SVG did was actually because it had its own internal CSS rules, would actually just go, oh, you just want this one image, okay? We'll just go get it and uh, pull it in. The problem is that I think it was Chrome had the issue with SVG or something like that. If, and so, it's been this bug that's been there for ten years or something. And of course, <laughs> and so we would come in, and it had to be it had to do with security issue because. Uh, they're worried about um, pulling in content. Uh, uh, would it be like kind of like a Trojan horse, I think. If, if, if I'm pretty much oversimplifying the security implications of this, but I felt like they're worried about the Trojan horse coming in and doing like some sort of cross uh, scripting thing. Well, as Jen Schiffer explained at the HTML conf, uh, HTML is a virus, you know. So. Oh, really? Oh man. And flashes too, and the images probably are too, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, we we persevere. Yeah, there there are some really weird quarter case bugs in that. Um, mm-hmm. You've been more involved in the responsive images conversation than I can bear. Yeah, uh, so can I, man. That's the same amount, man. I've got the t-shirt. <laughs> funded the Kickstarter. I'm glad that all got going. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I. I just kind of marvel at it because there are all of these corners that seem to be incredibly over-optimized, like mm-hmm. that whole premature optimization considered harmful kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hit these like security things that make no sense to me at all until I walk through a case where, yeah, that might actually cause a problem. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of astonishing how what seemed really simple to me when the web started is now an incredible tangle. Right. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, speaking of other things, is that uh, I read so many blog posts today that uh, Adobe has killed Flash to, as well. Yeah. So that was that was kind of interesting as someone who actually 
probably uses flash more more now than i have been like ever in my entire career like as someone who like will willfully avoided flash right for, uh, for decades and so and so with our online online learning environment we actually use flash um, oh right right that makes sense so, yeah so i imagine you creating like flash apps so that didn't seem very likely Dude, I try to get on the iPhone forever with my Flash app, and it's not working out. It's not working. It's not working. Oh, man. You remember when Adobe tried to like was making Flash apps so you just port to an iOS app? Yeah, was, exactly. That it was, was awesome. It was going to be the big new thing. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, that, that worked out. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so now it's like you know, uh, Adobe Flash is now Adobe Animate CC, right? And which is really because that that goes back to its roots mm-hmm. as an animation tool, which is kind of funny i guess in a way um so yeah so but i feel like uh you know i got so many facebook postings and um you know and blog posts about flash is dead which is uh right not really true (laughs) so i mean i think i think it's adobe is stepping back slowly Mm -hmm. um it's kind of funny because like the main browser that i use has does not have flash installed yeah um and that's deliberate, but I also have another browser where I can copy and paste the URL to if I need to. Right. Um, and I find myself doing that like once every couple of days. It's like something is that important. Um, the Flash player, I, I think they're just stuck in this like, okay, we can't kill this thing yet. We have to maintain it. Oh my God, I hate maintaining it. We have to update <laughs> it every two days. Yeah. Um, that can't be a pleasant cycle for Adobe. I don't think that's at all what they imagined the end game for this would be. Right. Um, I think, <clears throat> I think over the last few years, they've been stepping, not exactly, a, yeah, they've been stepping away from Flash. They've been stepping into other technologies that can do what Flash used to do. Right. And, um, the animate name change is definitely a, a big deal. It's a big part of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've seen this migration for a while. Like, honestly, I think a lot of the reason that we had this burst in JavaScript applications per se Hmm. is that there were a lot of Flash developers who realized it was time to jump. And ActionScript basically is JavaScript, so it meant, like, learning a new object model but not starting over. Hmm. So the Flash way suddenly became the uh, front-end web uh, app development way. Um, Doesn't help Adobe at all. No. Uh, Means that that style is still is still there. Um, it's just better integrated with the web without the plugin. Right. So, in that sense, at least, I think Flash will always be with us. Yeah. Um, in the <clears throat> how long does the Flash player have left to continue existing? Yeah. I'm guessing it'll be years, but I just don't know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's it's going to be around for a while, but you know, at the same time, we don't have Shockwave anymore so the, the shockwave plugin and right a director i don't i don't know what you know no one uses that media director anymore so yeah uh, i like the director i'm sad about that one but well actually that's for my grad school projects one though i had to do uh for interactive uh grad school i had to work with director which it would i enjoyed it actually so i had to build a couple uh cd roms so which are i don't have a i don't own a cd rom anymore drive anymore so anyway but um yeah, I just feel like a, it's sort of like when Adobe stopped. I think they announced that they were killing mobile Flash, and then everyone assumed Flash was dead, but it was still around. But I think they just, uh, I think the powers that be didn't realize that they stepped in it 
when they uh, when they did that move. And so they go, oh, Flash is dead. And then it happened again just this week. We're like, oh, we're doing the name change to the airport. So I, I you know, and you know, to be truthful, you know, I don't know what it's like to be at Adobe when press overreacts and that way and yeah. do it. Right. So, but uh, but yeah, so it must be. I think this is like a band aid that needs to be pulled, and so maybe they can. You know, reintroduce Flash as an animation tool and see how that goes going forward. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I one thing that's interesting is I I wonder how long when the web first started it didn't do very much, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, and it had plugins <laughs> and it had helper applications and it had all of these things. And we've really mm-hmm. gone pretty far in the direction of the web must be able to do everything itself. Yeah. And I'm curious whether that'll cycle back hmm. um, at some point. I'm, I'm sort of happy to see Flash and Silverlight in particular decline. Yeah. Um, but I also wonder if we're going to find things that, well, it's not really the web, but we need to be able to make it connect. But I think we're going to see some interesting cases like that over the next few years. I'm not yeah. sure what. I just I talk with developers who are falling who have, who are who who are never really web people, yeah. and I'm I'm sure that they're waiting for the for the revolt and and something will happen. The flags will go up and we'll see what happens. Yeah. I keep seeing SAS taking over the world, but that's not really new. That was CSS DevConf last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems to be completely normal. Yeah. Um, oh, one thing that's happening a lot faster than I thought it would is the whole ES6 thing. Yeah, I so, thought we'd be years. So can you like can you describe sure. for people just what ES yes yeah is? so ES6 is ECMAScript the most sad name for a programming language and actually it's also ECMAScript 2015 because they decided they had to change the naming convention and most people just call it ES6 because it was ECMAScript yeah. six and nobody wants to say ECMAScript and we're not going to change to the year um, it's the biggest set of changes in JavaScript in a very long time. And if I'm remembering right, the last time they had significant changes to JavaScript, they really didn't get adopted anywhere except Flash. So um, it's a big jump. But there are a bunch of things happening this time that make it different. Um, (laughs) Support for it is getting into browsers. It just isn't happening fast. But it actually doesn't matter because what people are doing is they're transpiling their code. So they'll write a whole bunch of JavaScript and then they'll run it through Babel or through some other contraption. And it spits out JavaScript that humans probably don't really want to look at, but uh, does everything that they had written in the newer version of JavaScript, in the old version of JavaScript, because they didn't actually add a lot of functionality. They added a lot of like syntactic charm. Uh-huh. Um, I guess that's a nicer word than sugar. I'm not sure. Um, and... Because people are doing a lot of code in contexts that require them to, like, SAS has to be compiled to CSS, or Rails has these crazy asset pipelines. And so we've actually built a lot of infrastructure that makes this a lot less painful than it would have been 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So at least kind of a core group of developers who are serious about JavaScript are are moving to this. So as someone who is, like, so is ECMAScript just going to be adopted by the browser vendors and they just put it into the browser and then it's released and we're going to have compatibility issues with the browser going forward? Or Yeah, because 
that's good because I kept on wondering what E E six was all about because now I because I missed the uh, blog post about like renaming it to E six because it's not named something cool and funky as Clipso or something like that. So yeah, I know it's got to be like Chakras or or Flash. <laughs> Flash is another good one. Shockwave. Yeah, well, Flash is free now, so everyone wants to pick it up. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's because of this whole transpiling thing. It's really following a different trajectory than anything we've seen before. Mm-hmm. You can't. I guess actually there probably are parts of CSS you could transpile to older versions of CSS. Um, I wouldn't really want to try it, but I'm sure somebody out there has a brilliant way to make this all go. Um, and obviously with HTML, well, we kind of tried that. We had transforms, XSLT, and a bunch of other things. Um, but it, it's the, me- the mechanics for really running HTML and CSS are just too buried in the browser. You can't like pull them up to the surface easily. Okay. Um, JavaScript has so many parts in it, and it's such an incredibly, insanely flexible language that it's a pretty natural candidate for this kind of thing. And there's there's a JavaScript culture now that is a lot of people who just want to get their work done in the easiest way possible and are not enthusiastic about lingering and waiting for the old browser version. So... Um, yeah. Oh, and then Node changes it all too. Because if you're running Node, you don't care what the browsers are doing. You can pick V8 or Chakra or whatever fancy named thing you want. So, yes, it's okay. I'm not going to say it's something that like every JavaScript developer needs to learn today. I don't think it is. <laughs> there are there are pieces of it that I think will make most people's lives easier. Yeah. Um, and so you're just you're just kind of. Uh... You're just kind of surprised about how fast it's being adopted. Is that... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm used to everything being slow. Right? Oh man. Yeah. I was I was talking to someone earlier this week, and it's like, hey, you remember the time when we actually had to put down what browser version number uh, some solution we're worked in? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I remember testing them on OS too, so it's kind of that. yeah. So yeah. It's like... IBM calls. the IBM site doesn't work on OS two. Oh yeah, we should fix that. Oh man, OS two. Oh yeah, and there was like a was it's a bowl season. It's culture bowl, so it's uh, remember the OS two uh, bowl yes, game. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh man, this nice OS two logo in the field, which is what uh, which is where you want college football. Uh, your your programming um, language to be be <laughs> advertised. It's so popular. I'm so now popular. imagining football player football games played like in an AS four hundred box or something. It just seems oh. terrible. There'd be also like a Tecmo Bowl game with OS2, uh, sponsored by OS2. That'd be yeah. I, just think of, it, I think there's a Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego, too, right? <laughs> yeah, there is. Imagining them with like cell phones. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Uh, man, technology and sports. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe Flash Bowl next, maybe. Um, yeah. So, uh, anything else? I, I've, I've, I have no idea. Um, I feel like we're coming into the holidays a bit and the world yeah. is going to slow down for a few moments. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of things that are on my radar like for next year. Like I'm mm-hmm. curious, like Alex Russell has been talking about progressive web apps, which is sort of a combination of like progressive enhancement and service workers and JavaScript <coughs> stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the big thing that I'm watching to see in that is the progressive part. 
Um, yeah, because isn't that a website? Is it which a website? Progressive website? Progressive, yeah, progressive web apps. It's not just like a. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, there was a great moment, I think it was last week, when Jen Simmons somehow nuked the CSS for the Web Ahead site. Hmm. And the site still worked. Yeah. Because, you know, Shiji's progressive enhancement. And, and you could still read everything, you could still navigate, everything was fine. Yeah. Um, I think there's. I think the other thing that's going to make this interesting is the content blocking, the ad blocking. Yeah. So yeah. suddenly you can't count on things the way you could. So yeah. that's, that's the other thing I'm watching for. Yeah. So one of my pet peeves or, um, you know, cause uh, you know, we talked about the response to web design. You kind of alluded to it. The Kickstarter I'm doing is like, um, one of the things I want to put in the book is um, maybe it will be this book or probably in the future or maybe a blog post or whatever is that when you do, you know, ad vendors are a thing. They exist, and people have to put them in web pages. Is that if someone actually has ad blocker or content blocker, as it's called in iOS, uh, that your website collapses in such a way where if someone's blocking the ad, it doesn't really crazily, it doesn't leave like footmarks, if you will, like footsteps right. or whatever in the sand. So, so that be so like it just close up. Like quicksand, like you didn't know it was there before. So, like, because uh, I go to websites, and as a designer, I'm just enjoying vast amounts of white space, you know, yes. where an ad used to be. And so, just like, and I'm like, and then sometimes it's really awkward where there's like, I know there's an ad supposed to be here because there's no way a same designer would leave a, a square, you know, space right here in this side column. Well, so. they're leaving blank space on the front of my local newspaper, so clearly anything is possible. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's it I, like I'm enjoying Wired Magazine. That's yeah. on Wired.com. You go down and like suddenly there are these big chunks of empty gray. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of a relief. It's like it makes things less busy than they were. Yeah, it's it's nice to uh, do that. And um, I do recommend South Park's like th- recent three part episode storyline okay. that deals with ads. So it just wrapped up this week, I think. Uh, what day is it today, Friday? Uh, so yeah. yes, so it just wrapped up. So I definitely recommend it because it talks about ads and it's not safe for work. So I wouldn't even watch it while you're working. But uh, if you're in an office, but uh, it definitely deals with ads and so that, and it's hysterical. Um, definitely have to check that out. That's what I need for the holiday season. Yes. <laughs> so, but progressive web apps, I totally like just stomped on that. So, so what's no, the concept okay. of progressive web? Georgia, well, I, I think actually. Alex does a better job explaining it than I ever will, but it's taking a few key ideas that, that come, some of them come from like the old website world. Some of them come from the new web app world. Um, One of the cool things about the service workers work they've done. um, Well, there's something with an ordinary name service workers um, is that you can build a site so that even if service workers aren't supported, the site works fine. It's just not as efficient. Um, and with the progressive approach, you can build a site that has tons of JavaScript in it, but if it all fails, it still stays up. Um, he's also using progressive in another sense though, which is that right now, like the model is, okay, I want to do something. I'll go get an app. I install it. Then I get to deal with upgrades and boy, life is great. Instead, it's like, okay, I visit a site. I like this thing. Okay, I keep using it. Maybe I should make it available locally. And so, like, I just tap a button and it's available locally. It's still a web thing. 
It's yeah. not like you went through an app store to buy something and did all of that. You just have, you know, a local, local version. Uh -huh. um, and I think that really kind of brilliantly bridges this whole like native versus web battle we've had on mobile devices. Yeah. Um, but, but isn't that like just saying I want a website? Like I don't, Yes, it is saying I want a website, but I also want some of the advantages that I get from from an app on my phone. So, okay. for instance, if you don't have an internet connection, you can still do something with it. Mm -hmm. um, depends on the app whether that's useful or not, but that right. can be a big deal. Okay. Um, I could have a notes app where I was like writing all of my stuff locally, and when I happened to be in range, it would sync up. Cool. Right. But if I'm not in range, I'm not like stuck without my notes. Right, and I feel like the um, you know the you know the Android and you know Apple uh, you know iOS uh, they've trained everyone so well that you can only get apps you know put stuff on your phone from app stores right so and uh, Dave Rupert actually talks about this in a blog post about uh, Parabell's new app uh, Day Trip um, I think it's Day Trip yeah and so it's mostly for Austin right now but they want to expand to other things but. Uh, the idea is like you have a day to yourself on a weekend or whatnot. You, you have a day uh, and you want to just see where you can go drive in a day. And I'll tell you like cool things that, to drive to uh, as well as like, you know, places to see like parks or whatnot, but also like, you know, restaurants or whatever like that. And so he's really excited about it. And he, they want to make it more focused on the web. And so he was telling someone about it. And so like, and, and because it uses geolocation, you know, you, you need to use a right. smartphone and she was telling someone about it. And she said like, Oh, uh, where where can I get it in the app store? What's it called? Right. So and so that was kind of like it's kind of crestfalling, and so now he actually has he actually the gist is now he's trying to write you know an API wrapper, I guess in a way the app for using getting the getting his app into an app store. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can play with PhoneGap and Cordova, and mm -hmm. there's a whole lot of ways to do it. Um, I keep finding that somehow Americans have fallen more for the app store thing than other places. Mm -hmm. statistically and anecdotally. Um, I'm curious to see how well that holds up. Um, I'm always, I always think betting against the web is a bad idea. It's sort yeah. of like the story of you can't really compete with Google. Well, it turns out you can in certain particular ways, but um, trying to battle against the web is, you can do it for a while. It'll get really expensive. So my guess is that we're going to, well, actually, we need we need to stop for a little while and untangle some things. But I think in the long run, the web will just keep bringing all of these different things into its capability set. And yeah, yeah. Like so JavaScript, like, we were saying, was going to go everywhere. Why would you do it some other way? Yeah, I mean, because like, um, <clears throat> I mean, every once in a while, I get people get upset with, uh, I guess, the Facebook app always uh, uh, sneaking in, in information about where you are and. And what have you, and so it's it's usually the, uh, especially the messenger app. I think this is the one that's like the issue is that uh, so people just now just you know the workaround is actually to use your smartphone's browser, yeah, uh, and just log it you know and then then save that web page to your smartphone's desktop and then just use the web app from that point that's, on. Yeah, I just use the web for Facebook on my phone. That's all I yeah. do. Yeah, so that's probably like. Kind of like that's a progressive web app, right? So, like, well, uh, Facebook not, hasn't really done it yet. Yeah. I think we're going to see more things out of Google going this direction. But yeah, yeah. 
Well, speaking of Google, can you? Ex- I think we talked about it once last time, but AMP. Oh yeah, I can talk is, a little bit about it. Yeah, what is AMP? And I think I, I think I was like my understanding. If you know, I think we talked about it. I just want to make sure I'm right about it. It's like it's not RSS. <laughs> No, no, it's not RSS. Okay. Um, in some ways, it feels to me like we're going to take the web back to like 1995 before the JavaScript started climbing on everything. Hmm. Um, it's a really simple format. Like the markup stuff is really simple. Um, it has responsive images, um, like genuinely responsive images. But that's because they don't use the HTML image tag. They use their own markup, which then gets processed by their own little JavaScript library that goes along with it. So it's a little weird, um, and you can't use your own JavaScript. So basically, it's a radical simplification back to you know the olden days. You can still do a lot of design stuff. It's okay. Um, it won't look like it's 1995, thankfully. Um, but all the JavaScript stuff and the content delivery network stuff is basically through Google, uh, Google's own little JavaScript library and the CDN they have set up for it. So yes, you can get you know pretty minimalist things. It makes sense for articles um, in the system. You're basically every page is becoming a web app. That's what all that JavaScript that they're providing is is, is the app framework. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. To me, a lot of this stuff seems like stuff that should be in the browser anyway. Right. And like minimalism in markup is something I've been encouraging for 15 years or something. Yeah, so, for eons, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry. I <laughs> see you're old, but I just feel like it's, it's like something we've been doing forever. It's just, right. It's almost like a voluntary content blocker. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure that I get the best performance, so I'm going to put on this particular set of constraints and go with it. Mm. Um, you know, my guess in the long run is that this is less something of its own and more something that gets bolted, gets built into the browser. Okay. Um, it should be like a best practices thing and the responsive images thing, you know, all those stories. So I won't yeah. tell you them. Um, yeah. Is it, is it trying to find a home? Trying to find is it, is well, it a solution trying to find a problem? Well, no, the business, the business case is that like Facebook and Apple are offering content creators, high performance, neat systems inside their own walled gardens. Okay. And so Google is trying to make something similar available on the public web. And, you know, okay. this does that. It doesn't do it in a way that I would have chosen. Right. Um, there's some brilliant bits of code, some brilliant bits of architecture. I like a lot about the way that they set out to do it. Yeah. Um, it just feels weird to me that they're creating a web app to deliver a website style content kind of, yeah, it, it works. It's just not the, the approach I would have taken. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm looking at some more. I uh, was just very confused as to what I was looking at and, and the business case for it. And, yeah. And so I, that's, yeah. I think it's completely reasonable to be confused. <laughs> so, you know, so. I think it'll make more sense over the next year or so as we see either it in use or we hmm. see, sort of more stories about like how to do similar things. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I'm just, you know, more and more I get upset and then with the, the wall garden of, of Facebook and, um, and, you know, just how much content is 
behind the walls that they own in terms of not just like the content content, but just how people are interacting with the content and, you know, stuff that we can do with the web pretty yeah. easily, tracking down links and some of that too. So I'm pretty sure if I'm pissed off about it, I know Google is as well. Yes. So. yes. Well, you're not actually trying to compete with Facebook last I noticed. So <laughs> I'm trying to write witty things on Facebook and it's, uh, that's my, that's my hobby. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's a very bad hobby. I should be doing you do pretty well though. It turns out that Facebook doesn't show me a lot of your stuff, even in the most recent feed. I have to visit your page to see a lot of it. So. Uh, okay. Well, well being, everyone's a critic. Everyone's a well, critic. Apparently Facebook is a critic. Yeah, exactly. Or their algorithm is or something. <laughs> it's a very, very appropriate critic, probably. Um, yeah, so anything else for On the Horizon? It's going to be a busy year. I mean, I, I, I have a piece going up next week on how the web kind of needs to take a pause. Well, and you have PPK, right? So PPK says yes. you get a pause on, and so you want everyone to get their pause on. Well, the thing is that it's not just PPK saying it. I'm finding it all over the place. Oh, yeah? Um, when, when AMP came out, I tweeted something like, we need to stop for a little while to remember how the web actually works. <laughs> and that was like my most popular tweet in a year, probably. <laughs> 23 retweets. It wasn't even that strongly stated. Maybe that helped. Um, you know, the thing that's kind of funny is I think we could actually pause and make things work and still make Alex Russell's dreams come true. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the, the point of the piece next week. Um, like the reason that we can do all this crazy stuff on the web that built on Ajax is that we had like five years to digest what came out of the browser wars <laughs> and actually like figure out best practices and how to make these things make sense. And then we could build crazy layers on top of them. Um, I don't think we're, I don't think the web is ever going to come to a full stop. I don't think that, uh, well, okay. The heat death of the universe, fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't think anybody, even PPK, is looking for that. But I think we do need to like spend some time thinking about how all of these crazy pieces fit together. Yeah. So. Okay. I mean, is, is that just? I hate to say this, but like, is that a fault or something? Or I don't want to criticize, but I just like, is that just because, no, or, or is that just because we're moving moving too fast on too many different fronts, or, or, or like? I think it's a few different things um i think partly it's that this audience is so diverse that's what we were talking about earlier like even like in the javascript world there are all of these different kinds of people um the web's trying to solve all kinds of problems for everybody and i think we all know that the standards process isn't this like neat smooth thing that everything just gets ironed out um it's a pleasant dream but it's not there (laughs) Um, the, uh, there are a lot of business reasons to move fast to break things. And so that just keeps happening over and over. Um, which is cool if you can clean up after yourself, but which no one does, right? Yeah. Yeah. There, there is some cleaning up. I'll admit it. Like things get unprefixed and code does get dropped. Um, Mozilla dropped some code that I managed to get them to include at one point. You know, these things happen. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's been years without a pause. And so I'm not surprised. PPK says it more loudly than anybody else. <coughs> but I think, uh, I think even his critics are sort of like, yeah, there is a lot going on right now. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understand that. But yeah. So, um, 
I just, you know, I think that's just, it'd be crazy to have like this much innovation happen and then just say, oh, this is, humanity said like, oh, we got to just pause it for a while. Well, the problem is the way that humanity does this is that we don't just uh, pause things. We have a habit of just dropping them. Like, Mm -hmm. is Flash dead or not? Um, The web's been pronounced dead about 50 times, right? Um, That's that's not the death that I wanted to have. So uh, how do we how do we make these things go? Mm-hmm. And it's, is that into like just learning how the web is? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I gotta think of a better way of saying that than what I want to say. So I probably won't say it. But okay. uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll share that for next time we talk. So yeah, that sounds good. The piece will be up by then. So. Okay, good. Then I'll, then I'll, then I'll, then I'll do that. Oh, I do want to say like uh, one last thing. Uh, I know. Uh, I was kind of shocked by it, but not really too shocked. But uh, Mozilla is stopped making uh, phones. Yeah, I'm sad about that. I don't know where it is right now, but I have one on my desk. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people who no longer really trusts Google or Apple, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mozilla has got some issues. I'm, you know, I'm aware they're not saints and angels and all that. But you know, I was hoping that Firefox OS really would have a chance to. <sighs> break up that duopoly. Um, I think back on the history, I think we've done this before with like WebOS and that didn't end so well. Um, Great ideas, cool stuff, just not able to break into that crazy world of manufacturers and cell phone companies and stuff. Right. Well, like like the Firefox OS thing that that I liked about it was that uh, it wasn't, no, I felt like, yeah, it's not really a great business case, but I'm glad you're doing it type of thing was that they're building a phone not for the high-end market, but yes. for getting to people who wouldn't or normally not use a smartphone and need internets for a better, slicker web like you would you know, without loaded with content and JavaScript and stuff like that. And I thought that was – and they would have a better, smarter browser installed on their phone and they get apps installed. And so I thought that was a uh, very uh, idealized part of their mission with the phone. So I was like, okay, go for that. I think, I think you could live in parallel with, you know, Android and Apple and doing that. But at the same time, like, you know, if you use like a iPhone four or three and you give that out, you know, for free, you know? Right. I liked the, I mean, I liked the approach they took. I don't think honestly they could have like gone into the high end market and, and said, we're going to do this awesome web thing. Mm-hmm. And, and beat Apple. I don't think that would have been plausible at all. I think they chose the route that was open, and it just really wasn't open enough. Right. Um, when I tweeted that I was sad it was gone, somebody from Mozilla tweeted me and said, we still have hundreds of people working on it. And I'm like, well, yes, but it's not really the same thing. So, no. yeah, maybe there'll be more. Maybe it isn't really dead. Yeah. Uh, I certainly dream of basically a web-based smartphone. Um, I did, I've done iOS development. i looked into Android development, I don't really have any great desire to do either of those. Yeah. I hear Swift is way better than Objective-C. Eh, you know, that wasn't really the problem. <laughs> so. All right, man. Cool. Well, uh, I think that's about it. I guess, you know, we've cool. talked about the present and the future, so I think we're, we're good to go. Uh, I do want to make a call out and probably make a link to it. Uh, favorite things to look forward to winter is your 
uh, light candles? Your, oh, uh, yeah, the ice lanterns. Ice, yes. ice lanterns, yeah. Yes, those only work if it gets cold, because I don't yeah. have room in my chest freezer for ice lanterns. <laughs> yeah. so, so right now it's like 50 degrees outside. Yeah. If I'm lucky, I'll be able to freeze a lot of water, put a candle in it, put it out front. But, so probably, probably in January, you think that will happen next time we I talk? Hope so. I don't know. Right. I'll have pictures next time if I do. Okay, cool. And so I'll, 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 we'll link to the old ones from last year. And okay, then, and then that sounds notes. good. So, so people will keep an eye on it. Cool. Until then, well, happy have a happy holiday, man. Yeah, you Stay too. Stay safe. Enjoy. Happy right. New Year. Merry Christmas. All of the other great holidays. All of the above. All right. Cool, man. Thanks. Right. Talk next time. Take care.